Hello, Shantiana Keys here, WBCA Manager of Education, and welcome to this week's episode of the WBCA podcast, Growing Our Game, where we discuss a variety of topics about women's basketball. I'm excited to talk with Amanda Alexander, licensed psychologist at Stretch Performance Psychology. Alexander is a former Division I athlete and earned her doctorate in counseling psychology from the University of Tennessee. Her primary areas of expertise and interest are peak performance, stress management reduction, burnout, and more. Today, she will talk about performance anxiety in student-athletes and how coaches can best support them. We're coaches. We're leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We build excellent people, not just excellent players. We improve lives, not just records. The WBCA is the premier professional association for the community of women's and girls basketball coaches. Build your career in coaching, network with colleagues, and get up-to-date information about our sport. We are here for you every step of your coaching journey. Learn more about a WBCA membership and benefits at WBCA.org. Dr. Amanda Alexander, thank you so much for joining us today. We're excited to, to dive into this topic with you um, and your expertise. Uh, can you share with us just a little bit about the work that you do in your background? Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So I am a licensed sports psychologist I work out of Gainesville, Florida, I'm based in Gainesville, Florida in private practice. And so I work with folks both on the spectrum of mental health counseling, but also doing peak performance consultation as well. I work with individuals, all kinds of high performing folks, such as athletes, obviously, um, but also physicians, surgeons, graduate students, folks like that, that are under a lot of stress and pressure. And then I also work with a lot of organizations and teams. Back in the day, many moons ago, I was a collegiate athlete myself, ran track and field. Um, and so I know a little bit about the, the dynamics of performance anxiety firsthand. Absolutely. And, and we're here today to specifically address the topic of performance anxiety in college student athletes. Can you give us a brief introduction to this issue? Sure. Well, the quick and dirty of it is that symptoms of anxiety are really normal responses to stress. So where we see this show up more with athletes is that you're you're having this stressful situation that's really related to the pressure of achieving some kind of desired outcome under evaluation or the specter of failure. And so that activation in the mind and body can sometimes have diminishing returns. So anxiety in and of itself is not necessarily a bad thing. Performance anxiety is not a bad thing in and of itself. Actually, it can really help us to activate, to energize, to concentrate, to mobilize. But past a certain threshold, it can result in choking under pressure, panic, fear, freezing up, shutting down. And certainly in inconsistencies in our performance, especially inconsistencies in translating what we can do in practice to what we can do in competition. And, you know, there's been a lot of conversation about anxiety in, you know, Gen Z athletes. Is this something that that you have found um, has kind of always been there, you know, this performance anxiety, or is it now uh, more prevalent or more elevated um, in the current generation of student athletes? Yes, both. So certainly it's it's always been there um, since the beginning of competition. Performance anxiety is going to be a part 
of that. Uh, however, the, the climate that our student athletes are competing in right now is just so ripe with comparison. And so comparison is a really natural part of sport performance, right? You're being <laughs> evaluated and you have scores and times and places that are part of that comparison metric. But right now it is just everywhere in the air that student athletes breathe. Everything is being compared and everything is um, very much out in the open. So even being in an environment where uh, your performance might be broadcasted over numerous social media um, platforms as well as on TV, I mean, these things are still actually relatively new. And so they're, they're very new dimensions for athletes to have to navigate kind of the meta aspects of how they're comparing themselves to other people and what the evaluation component is when they ask themselves to perform, you know, in the spotlight. Absolutely. And with a lot of that uncertainty, uh, our coaches find that, you know, that, that they're not necessarily equipped to um, handle these situations. As coaches, how can we best serve and support our athletes dealing with performance anxiety? Such a great question. I, I think the first part of it is exactly what you all are doing here, just having a willingness and an interest and curiosity in learning about the impact of performance anxiety, uh, when it can be a helpful tool to mobilize your athletes, and when you're kind of reaching that threshold of diminishing returns, right, when it's not helpful. Um, the first step is always awareness. So really learning to recognize some of the traits or some of the symptoms of performance anxiety. I always recommend to coaches to just get to know your athletes. This is something that you all are so good at. You're doing this already. So really play up your strengths in that area and get to know them and start asking them these questions. I mean, this doesn't have to be a topic that's taboo. It doesn't have to be a topic that is full of stigma. It doesn't have to be like a problem that you try to avoid. I find that if coaches are willing to have open conversations and to just ask their athletes to engage in those conversations with them and to give them feedback, that that helps tremendously. So even just asking your athletes like, hey, do you ever experience performance anxiety? What does that look like when it shows up for you? What do you start to notice in yourself? What can I keep my eyes out for so that I can also help you with that? Um, I also recommend incorporating regular mental training strategies into your practice regimens as a whole. So a lot of times what coaches will do is that when they notice it becoming a problem, then they try to bring somebody in or then they try to work on some strategies. But much like the stuff that you do with your physical training, you want it to actually progress and integrate into the overall training mentality of your team so that they have those skills at hand when they need them. And so incorporating these mental training strategies, such as relaxation training, guided imagery or visualization into your regimen and not just as an afterthought goes a really long way. I'm not sure if you are familiar with uh, the documentary, The Last Dance with uh, the Bulls that came on this summer. Um, and their coach essentially had meditation at the beginning of practice. Would that fall into that category of, you know, I guess, practices, mental training? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that was such a great that was such a great series. Um, and I really love how it highlighted the mental fitness component of it, because the mind and body are so connected. You really cannot tease those out. And so the more that we really emphasize training the mind alongside training the body, the easier it will be for our athletes to feel balanced and cool and calm under pressure. 
And so absolutely working with a professional or certainly as a coach, if you have training and being able to do this to help them to learn how to work with their mind and leading practices, starting practices that way, or having one day of the week where you potentially really focus on that uh, is a really great start. And you mentioned, you know, that that you wanted to try to alleviate that stigma. How can coaches do that and create an environment where the the players, you know, um, feel good about either sharing or um, getting better in this particular area? Yeah, great question. So what we what we know is that we really tend to learn and grow better in environments in which we reward the behaviors that we want to see. And so we know that punishment is really just not as effective as a learning tool and can actually contribute to increased anxiety, particularly if you're dealing with a lot of perfectionists on your team, which a lot of coaches are. Um, And so if you can, as much as you can, really practice rewarding the behavior that you want to see. And so you really start creating an environment where feedback is embraced and welcomed as a path to learning and as a path to mastery, not as a way to abuse or humiliate or ostracize a player or even criticize a player. Certainly constructive criticism is a component of coaching, right? But we really want to be able to dialogue with our athletes in a way that they can also give us feedback as well. So coaches aren't having to to try to read their minds. Um, And so being able to create an environment that really advocates open feedback and open communication with the goal of learning and growth. And that this is not about um, criticizing and it's not about picking people apart, but it's really about being able to be open and honest with each other so that we can all grow, coaches included, right alongside their athletes. There are not many things that you could do wrong as a coach, but I would say one thing that I would highly, highly suggest that you avoid is to try to eliminate Anything from your coaching approach that includes any kind of sexist or racist or biased labeling um, or criticisms, you know, sometimes these things are thrown around and we don't, it's not, it's not the part that we're super proud of as part of sport, but you hear it a lot actually. And those things can really cut deep. And so as coaches, I think, especially coaching the generation that we have now, I think that we really have a duty to start eliminating some of that bias and some of that discrimination in the way that we, the way that we coach and the way that we talk to our athletes. Yeah. And, and there's a, the great deal of stress specific, um, to even, you know, coach performance, um, whether that's, you know, wins and losses or, um, the recruiting or the success of recruiting, um, even now with the limitations of COVID, um, they're only adding more stress. What best practices or tips do you have for coaches to manage their own performance anxiety? I love that question, right? Because I think the the idea a lot of times is that only athletes experience performance anxiety, but you coaches, I mean, it is a meta level of performance anxiety. Oftentimes you feel oftentimes what your athletes are feeling along with your own struggles and stressors and the desired outcomes that you want to see for your own performance and for your athlete's performance. So as I was saying before, that self-awareness is really the foundation for this. So really knowing yourself 
being really gut level honest with yourself, knowing your own patterns, soliciting feedback, not just from your athletes, but from other coaches that are on your staff, your assistant coaches, your administrators, or your past coaches, soliciting some feedback from them and really being open to hearing what they notice in you, particularly what do they notice in you when you find yourself in a stressful situation? What triggers you, right? When do you start to find yourself off balance? And again, with that non-judgmental approach, that really open-minded approach, being willing to hear that feedback, both from other people and from yourself. For most of us, our stress responses fall into just a couple of categories. And these are just kind of basic physiological responses that I'm sure you've heard of, the fight-flight mechanisms. So when we find ourselves under stress and pressure, One of the defaults that we tend to fall into is either going to be fighting, we might tend to feel more agitated, more aggressive, more irritated, or flight, which would be maybe avoidance, withdrawal, shut down. That's a really great place to even start and to just ask yourself, hey, what is my default? When I find myself kind of starting to tip the scales in my own stress or experiencing my own performance anxiety, where does that energy end up? Is it that fighting energy or is it that flight energy? And how might that potentially affect my team? And then practice your own strategies for staying grounded and balanced under pressure. I certainly always recommend recognizing the impact of your personal life on your work as well, just the same way that our athletes have personal things that will also impact their performance. And then consider working with a professional. There are tons of sports psych professionals out there that would love to work with coaches themselves and to do some consultation and to do some coaching with you to help you to identify some of your patterns and the areas that you can really capitalize on your strengths and minimize anything that might be getting in the way of you accessing your potential as a coach. Yeah, I think that, that that's huge. You know, again, that starting with that self-awareness, but also being willing to, you know, ask for help from professionals who, who know exactly what they're doing, whereas, you know, you, you may not uh, feel as educated in a certain area. So that's great. Um, you mentioned before um, the importance of that positive reinforcement or ways to do that um, and the evaluative um, environments. Could you expand on that a bit more for our members? Yeah, absolutely. So the... The basic idea is where your attention goes, your energy flows. Where your attention goes, your energy flows. So if you think about where we pay attention, oftentimes we are we are biased. It's a natural bias in our mind to focus on things that are negative. And particularly when we're trying to improve our performance, we tend to really play up that bias and we hyper focus on things that look like mistakes, look like failures, look like things that need to be corrected. Within that dynamic, though, that can create even more pressure, particularly for athletes that might be prone to performance anxiety. They might start feeling like they're not doing anything right or that they just can't win at anything. And that can really get them into a rut. So it's really important to be able to balance any kind of corrective criticism in a way that also provides them with feedback about what they're doing well. Particularly a focus on effort can help a lot here. In sport, we hyper-focus so much on outcome, right? We hyper-focus on wins and losses. And so if you really are able to shift your feedback into effort, then that can also take a huge part of that pressure off and it's more controllable. Outcome is actually not 
as controllable as we like to think that it is. And so being able to shift away from that uncontrollable area of outcome and to the controllables, which is tends to be effort, tends to be execution of the skills that you have, tends to be mindset, right? Tends to be the way that you communicate with your teammates and between coach and athlete, the, that communication. Really being able to focus on the process can help a ton with that. Do you find that that um, leads to, you know, more positive outcomes in terms of performance? Absolutely. Yeah. What we know is that all the literature shows is that is that hyper focusing on the outcome actually is a major distraction. And so it's not that we don't want to have outcome based goals. Right. And so, of course, we want to win certain things. Certainly when I was an athlete, I wanted to win. Right. That's that's super important. Um, so we want to see ourselves actually set goals and to set goals that that feel like they're stretch goals, that they're achievable, but that they're also challenging. But then once you set those goals, you actually want to let go of the focus on the goal itself and reshift your focus onto how do you get there, right? What is the process? What are the steps? What are the tangible, controllable things that we need to train to be able to set ourselves up for the best possible chance of achieving that outcome? That makes me think, you know, as a former athlete, you know, and, and finding for a coach, finding that balance to critique, you know, I think coaches are, they struggle with how do you, you know, balance toughening a kid up and making them mentally tougher in that way versus like you said like setting this goal and, and kind of leaving them to it uh, do you have some insight on that because I, I know a lot of coaches you know it would be considered the old school versus new school mentality do you have any insight on on that uh approach or even that concept we do want to have that that balance of challenge and support Right. And what we know is that the relationship that the athlete feels with their coach is one of the primary things that's going to dictate their success as an athlete and as a student, which is super important. And so really cultivating a relationship of trust that can then from that space of trust, you have a lot more leverage to be able to say hard things when you need to. Right. And so if you're going to be able to know when you have that with certain people and when you don't, when, you know, when you may actually have to work on the relationship before you might be able to give the hard feedback or before you might be able to push them a little bit harder or share something with them that might not be easy to hear. A another aspect to consider is really kind of putting yourself in their shoes again, right? Like if you, all coaches have been athletes themselves. And so what would it be like for you to hear the things that are coming out of your mouth? Right. And so just for a minute, kind of empathize and put yourself back in the athlete's shoes and say, OK, is this does this feel helpful? Is what I'm saying really getting to the point that I want to communicate or is it coming more from an emotional place or is it coming from a place more out of my own frustration? Right. Is there actual constructive feedback in this or is it just emotion that's being vented? What we see athletes really improving in is when they have clear, transparent, constructive feedback. But if there's too much emotion, if there's too much intensity, too much aggression that's delivered along with that feedback, they're going to miss the content. Like they're going to miss the piece that's actually going to help them to improve. And they're only going to hear the delivery. 
Sometimes the delivery helps to get the point across, um, but it's important to kind of know, again, how much trust you have with your athletes there and, and to really kind of toe that line. And if you find that you go over the line at times, if you find that you make a mistake or you say things or you do things that you're not proud of, or, you know, you go home and you reflect that night and you're like, you know, I might've taken that a little bit far. I'm not quite sure that got the point across. Talk to your athletes about it. Talk to your staff about it. Be willing to apologize and say, Hey, I'm not sure that that was the point I was trying to convey yesterday. Let me try that again, because you really want to be able to model that kind of humility and you want to be able to model that kind of growth mindset and that kind of humanity that really shows that your athletes are going to be able to do the same thing with you. That's great advice. You know, is there actual direction in what you're saying? I, I mean, it's such a simple concept. Is it getting to the root of how they actually get better? That's great. And and then the point about you want to build those relationships. It reminds me of a quote from Tim Elmore. It's um, you want to build bridges of relationship that can bear the weight of truth. And, and I think that that's so true in coaching as well. Um, you just mentioned um, the growth mindset and, and Carol Dweck's uh, work on the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset has caught the attention of coaches. Can you tell us a bit about what it means to have a growth mindset and how coaches can go about creating an environment conducive to growth mindset? So growth mindset work is something that can really be done with your team in, a, in an educational capacity. So there's a ton of resources out online. Even if you just Google growth mindset, there's some really cool um, visual aids and things that you can use. You can also work with a professional that might be able to help bridge that gap with you. Um, and so helping your athletes to even kind of know what that means conceptually is one part of it. But then what does it look like in practice? So the idea really is that we want to ask ourselves to be flexible and adaptive to change. We want to be able to evolve in our capacity to perform. And some athletes will really struggle at this, particularly in transition points, right? So when they're when they're coming from high school to college, that's a major transition point. When they are transitioning potentially from um, from perhaps a less visual role to a starting role, that would be another transition point. If they're transitioning back from from an injury, that would be another transition point. Um, and so the idea is that we really promote an environment where you're asking your athletes to be really flexible and adaptive to change, that they are not relying on rigid or fixed ways of seeing a problem or approaching performance. And so really being able to embrace challenges, even when the outcome is not particularly clear. And athletes that are going to struggle with this are going to be folks that really tend to avoid challenges or get pretty nervous or scared by challenges. We also, as part of the fixed mindset, want to promote the idea that it's a long game, right? And so even though we may have many victories or micro victories on, along the way, and we want to kind of take, you know, a full season in bite-sized chunks, um, it's still a long game. And so having a bad practice or a bad day or even a bad week is not a problem. In the grand scheme of the season, not a big deal. Learn from it, adapt, flex, adjust, and move forward. So you're really making an effort not to get too stuck in any kind of perceived um, failure or error that might you might be seeing in your athletes. The focus also in fixed versus growth mindset is that with growth mindset, effort is really the focus as the path to mastery. In a fixed mindset, effort becomes associated with failure. 
And so it's more about how do I not fail instead of how do I work hard to see myself succeed? And so it seems, you know, kind of like a subtle but very important difference. The other part of growth mindset that's important is the feedback component that we've talked a lot about today, really promoting an environment where feedback is welcomed and is embraced and is constructive and it is part of the overall growth process and the process toward outcome, the, the desired outcome, right, which might be winning a game or winning a season. And then another thing that you really want to promote when you're looking at growth mindset is continuous learning. So really seeking out help and support wherever you can get it, right? Bringing in experts that know more than you are, bringing in mentors that know more than you do and learning from each other. I, I highly recommend that as coaches that you share your experience as athletes. It really promotes, again, that sense of trust and of humanity and even talking with them about times that you struggled or times that you failed or times that you made mistakes and how you coped with that, how you adjusted, how you bounced back and what you learned as part of that process. Those are really, really important conversations and experiences for them to be able to have as part of buying into that growth mindset. I always ask our, our guests uh, this question before we wrap. The question is, what advice would you give to your younger self? I think for mine, especially knowing how often performance anxiety showed up for me when I was an athlete, um, a big part of that would have been to just be more honest with myself about that, to be honest with myself about when anxiety was showing up and to not be embarrassed of that so that I could have sought help so that I could have talked to my coach about it and gotten some support for it. Um, you know, in the event that I ran in track, it didn't matter how good of shape I was in. It always hurt. It hurt so bad. And I was afraid of that hurt. I was afraid of that challenge for a really long time until I realized that that's what it felt like to be good at the event that I was running. Um, but that was a long time coming. And so I, I wish I'd been able to be more honest with myself about that. That was one of the things that was really getting in the way of me being able to fulfill my potential, that it didn't have anything to do actually with my talent or my ability, but that I needed to find some ways to kind of get out of my own way and to get my mind and body on the same page working together. Uh, I appreciate you coming on to share um, your expertise with us. I've learned a lot and I know our coaches are going to be able to use this and, you know, positively benefit their, their program. So I appreciate you coming on and, and, and thank you for, for sharing with us today. Thank you so much. I'm really, really excited to be here and, um, and look forward to seeing how we continue to adapt and adjust moving out of, uh, moving out of this year, moving through and out of this year. For more information on the work that Dr. Alexander is doing, head to stretchperformancepsych.com or follow her on Twitter at stretchpsych. Thank you for listening to the WBCA podcast, Growing Our Game. Share your thoughts on today's discussion by using the hashtag WBCA podcast. For more information on the WBCA, visit WBCA.org and follow us at WBCA 1981. Thank you and we'll see you here for our next episode of Growing Our Game.